it's all part of a patriarchal system to define us by our reproductive capability and to use that to establish a gender hierarchy. That they have to force this so strongly shows how weak it really is. everybody uh welcome to another episode of the habituation room podcast live stream not quite as live today but still a stream still here with you and for you and by you um so excited to have you here we've got such a good show kicking off june um kicking off pride month um and uh getting into the summer of rage as i've been calling it for no particular reason other than everything is awful and we need to fuck shit up and the revolution. Um, if you are here on YouTube, make sure you like and share the stream right now. Ahora. And if you're here on Twitch, what up? I hope you are subscribed to this channel. Thank you so much. You get that ad-free content. And if you're listening as a podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for pressing play. And um, thank you so much for your five-star reviews, you guys. Um, this is a really great way for people to find the show. And I just wanted to um, shout out a couple of really fun reviews. Um, Killa Carver says, so bitchy, five stars. Love, love, love her pod. She's funny, smart, and has great guests. Keep it up, and congrats on the baby. Thank you. Um, Tommy D from Cali writes, hits hard, pulls no punches, acerbic wit and unabashed honesty, takes no prisoners on the fascist right. Thank you. And then Free Spirit 1952, Fran is back, super great, five stars. Hell yeah. So look, give this podcast five stars, write something nice. I will read it on air. We've got such a good show. Comedian Jay McBride is here breaking down um, just some little highlights in the world of transphobic America. From boomer comedians that have need to just retire uh, to celebrities who are irrelevant and continue to try and make themselves relevant. Um, she's here to break that down with us. Plus, joining me for a bonus bish, we're talking about Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle and their transphobia. You don't want to miss this. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room is where you go to get access to bonus content every single week, but this week is going to be good, y'all. Not that I've seen into the future, but I've seen into the future. So make sure you are a patron, $5, $10, $20, shit, man, whatever you want. And you you get a bunch of special, special perks, free merch, discounts on merch. Um, obviously, if you want to get merch, bituationroom.com. We got two uh, different shirts, stickers, totes, etc. It's great. Also, the AMA, which is available for everybody, uh, all the patrons to listen back. Uh, ask me anything. We had some great questions. Uh, everything from dating to whether there is a spirit and a soul to uh, shit. What else did we talk about? Oh, running independent candidates. That was an interesting one. Um, so anyway, check that out. Patreon.com slash graduation room. Uh, and, um, reminder next week, there is no show cause I will be on a honeymoon, but this week, not only do we have Jay, but we have, um, Aaron Reed, who is a 
researcher and a reporter who, I mean, she's an, really an activist around transgender rights. And she tracks all of the, not only the transphobic and anti-trans legislation around the country, um, but but healthcare resources for transgender people when it comes to informed consent about um transitioning about getting gender affirming care about uh, making sure your medical professionals are properly informing you that they have your best interests that they are not grilling you um, um, so you know unnecessarily and invading your privacy da, 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 da. so she's joining us later on the show you don't want to miss this she's so good so um with that, oh, she works on her, her organization's called Transformation Projects. Thank you, Paige, uh, for that. And finally, um, lastly, if you want to tip the show, it is totally welcome. TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Super appreciate all of your generous um, little tips there. It means the world. Um, and with that, why don't we get into this um, it's going to be a little bit different. We're not going to have a week where um, we're, I might see what she's bitching about. Uh, but she is a transgender comic in Brooklyn, first openly transgender comedian to perform at Madison Square Garden, and is a regular at New York City's Comedy Cellar. Please welcome Jay McBride. Thank you so much for having It's great to see you again. Been a while. I know. It's, we did, when Jay was working with what is now Abortion Access Front... We did a show in Wisconsin, my first time in Wisconsin. Right, me too. A lot of cheese skirts. <laughs> yeah. Great it's so skirts. sweet. It was a really great yeah. event. And Right, right. By the way, I love your theme song too. After like two or three minutes, it feels almost like you're you're about to face Bowser in Mario's pit. You know, it, <laughs> it feels like, or, or maybe like a Mario Kart thing, like, like he's trying to ram me off. The, it, it's, I love it. Jay, I love I've it. been, I, first of all, that's shout out to Kevin McLeod, you know, all his royalty free bangers online, but I've promised oh, nice. the audience and myself that I will get new music this year. And look, y'all, you want new no, music, it's, it's, you got to tip the goddamn show. <laughs> it's cheerful yet ominous. Yeah, uh, yeah. what right, is, is going on? Yeah, it's uh, it's very <laughs> but no, it's got, yeah. Count Dracula, but like fabulous. I don't know. Right. But by the way, the greatest thing about Wisconsin, yeah. uh, it was a time where we thought like we were fighting uh, to protect abortion and we won. Did, right. Or did I miss something? I can't <laughs> and remember. And we did it. <laughs> we did something well we we tried uh yeah yeah the world's going to hell so that's that's all i mean and this is like we've had liz on multiple times since since then in the last couple of years and ironically had her on like two weeks before the announcement of the leak from alito the leak, yeah um yeah. and you know the, the struggle remains the same it's kind of the shit that we all knew was going to happen it's just a little bit more smelling salts here mm-hmm um, Jay, I was going to ask you, we do start off the show asking what you're bitching about. And I know uh-huh. this is a pre-record. There might be new things to bitch about in the future. But other than some of the stories we're going to get into, what what are you bitching about today? The heat. The heat <laughs> of the East Coast. That's what I'm bitching about. It's hotter than the balls that Democratic lawmakers seem to be lacking <laughs> these days. Uh, that's how hot it is here. It's disgusting. It's sweaty. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm bitching about. You're nonstop. in Brooklyn. It's yes. May. It's technically, I mean, it's gonna, it's June when this is running, but it's like, it's spring. It's spring. And this is my thing with New York. I'm sorry. Spring lasts for like 
an afternoon and then it's yes. hot as balls sweat like exactly at five in the morning you're like why is it hot at 5 a.m does it have right. to be hot this early right like i i by the time i walk to the subway like the sweat lines under my boob on under my boobs under my it's like the shroud of turin sort of like <laughs> like markings on my on my shirt by the time i get there i'm like i I can't. I can't anymore. It's too much. No, I know. And you have to be kind of always be like sort of the little old lady with like the kerchief right. who's like dabbing right. her face because yes. you're just constantly sweating. Right. And it's like a snot rag slash sweat rag. So it's like it's 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 all sorts of – that's how COVID started, I think. <laughs> just one old lady was like, you can use my handkerchief. And then it was uh, – was it a pangolin <laughs> blew its right. nose in it. Very sweet gesture. But yeah, no, I, I don't miss the humidity. Now I'm in the, like, you know, deserty, must drink water at all times, uh, LA, on fire, California, LA specifically. Right, right. But uh, that humidity is something I just, I don't. And then you get so cold in the train because they blast the fucking AC right, and right. they still have it mastered that people are like literally naked in the summertime because it's right. so hot. Uh, no, yeah, it's it's like the walk-in cooler at like Trader Joe's or something, yes. you know, sort of thing, and then you walk outside and it's just back and forth. It's yeah, I know they should offer jackets in the subway. Something, you know. No, I don't think Can I it... would want to wear a jacket that the subway offers. Communal me. jacket. I think, um, yeah, I, I think I'm okay. I think I would rather <laughs> get pneumonia. Thanks. But um, it, but it does feel like spring's coming earlier and earlier, and I know that like, yes. and summer's coming earlier and earlier, and I know like New York hasn't even had like really bad snow in a while, like. No, no. I mean, uh, I used to live in Albany. We used to get two feet at a time sometimes. Like every 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 winter, we would have like at least one gigantic snowstorm that yeah. we would have to have a snow emergency, you know. And it's just like lately, it's been like mm, it's almost like something's really. changing. Is yeah, yeah. It's almost like the whole something about the way the weather is is slightly. I don't know what to call it. I, I don't know. It's like I mean, the climate of the earth has somehow change it's crazy i know i know we're insane God, for God. even saying that right. like right. Don't, we're total conspiracy there is us and 99 percent of scientists um but yeah it is oh, so depressing so sad anywho but yes i love i love to bitch about the humidity that's disgusting um but we we got a few other things to get into right. so why don't we do that's this a, I'm that's in- the tip of the bitchberg oh <laughs> It's the tip of the bitchberg over here in this rapidly warming podcast. Um, we have I've been saving a couple clips for Jay. Um, so this is not the week where, but sort of the week where. So Bill Maher. Um, God, he sucks. He still sucks. He's so bad. He he's the worst. He, he's just he's like. I mean, he's sort of. I think I think it was like when uh when he had Milo Yiannopoulos on, <laughs> yeah, and they started ranting about trans women. I was like, yeah, that okay. Uh, you know, you know what I mean. It, it's not like a new thing. That was like five years ago. I, I wish I ago. could pull that clip up because I had I think deleted that from my brain and forgotten that. Oh yeah, they. They were like, you're you're a right winger. I'm a so-called liberal, but we can bond over hating trans women. <laughs> right, right, right. And that, that the uh, the stuff like lately is it's again it's another it's another comedian who is too lazy to write actual jokes right. <laughs> and just wants to take pot shots at, at trans people. Yes, um, it, it's it's you know whatever whatever, dude. I, I just I can't with you. It's it's like it's like an old guy bitching because people stopped using rakes. 
you know it's just i, I mean like get over it we've moved forward we it's okay it's okay that's that's like me though because i hate i hate leaf blowers so like <laughs> i would like i'm just like as someone who is wants to be an ally but also is against leaf blowers i don't like that metaphor okay um, boomer <laughs> Well, this is my okay boomer segment, um, <laughs> and and perfect. He, so obviously, in 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 the like in Pride Month, uh, Bill Maher's ramping up all of his uh, brushing and dusting off all of his old tired uh, trans jokes, and I'm sure before anti gay jokes as well. And um, he has thoughts on oh wow, why there are so many trans people now? Is it just because? he's in a rabbit hole or no it's it's something something bigger is happening so here here was his recent take on this according to a recent gallup poll less than one percent of americans born before 1946 that's joe biden's generation identify that way 2.6 percent of boomers do 4.2 percent of gen x 10.5 percent of millennials and 20.8 percent of gen z which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. (laughs) And then who's going to buy this chair? (laughs) I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant, like with Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries? Yes, part of the rise in LGBT numbers is from people feeling free enough to tell it to a pollster, and that's all to the good. But some of it is, it's trendy. Penis equals man. Okay, boomer. Remember, the prime directive of every teen is anything to shock and challenge the squares who brought you up. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper-income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. All right. That there was a lot there. Um, yeah. on that, First of all, uh-huh. the fact that he was next to Adam Carolla tells you everything he needs. You know, you know I mean, he, Adam Carolla is, is the biggest piece of garbage show. He like going on tour with Dennis Prager. Oh, I, I God. mean, are you serious? Oh, you didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, but yeah, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were Prager saying- U has done a couple of videos on Newsbroke oh. on like some stuff. It's just very funny. They're so, that's so on brand and disgusting. What? 100%. Ugh. Okay. And, and the fact that he wasn't, no one's laughing at these jokes really, except for, again, the audience that's barked off the Santa Monica Pier and like begged, to, like, be like, we got free popcorn and, and soda. Right. Please come watch Bill Maher. But that last line, I think, and we'll go back. It was perhaps the most egregious. Either California is creating them or Ohio is shaming them. Um, Ohio is shaming them. That's right. the Ohio answer. Ohio still, yeah, yeah. The, uh, 250, like 250 bills at least uh, like, yep. um, have been put out this year to try and keep kids from transitioning. Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, is absolutely won the election basically on a platform of uh, anti-abortion, anti-trans. 
I mean, they absolutely are. And also, like when you say 20% of L- of the population are LGBT, it's like, you know, there, there are bi people. The fact that people are yeah. more open to being bi is a lot. To, to assume that now this is all trans is... That's what I was going to say. The- Give me a break. Like, you're not even close, man. No, he he gives this... He starts off with that graph and showing um, how everyone's going to be gay by 2080 and then immediately singles out trans people, essentially conflating the like those two groups. And you're absolutely right. It's sort of how I feel about like race and the way that the like Pew and how Pew research is interpreted. Not sorry, not Pew, um, how our census is interpreted, which is that like the takeaways always there are fewer white people. But that's only if you define white through a one-drop rule of POC, meaning if you're still defining whiteness through a purity, yeah, there are fewer white people. But if you define whiteness as as, as not through racial purity, meaning some people are a little bit white, meaning there are biracial people, there are far more white people because they're fucking setting up franchises. There are people like me who are half white, a third white. Like there's so many more white people, but white whiteness and race are never conceived that way. And it's sort of similar to what you're saying about sexuality. It's like you could be bi, you're you're also saying there's just more like there's more straight people too. Like they're still straight. They're straight and gay. I don't know. I just right. it's just very it's such a um, yeah, and I know obviously that's not a one to one correlation, but it's like no, no, no. But yeah, no, and and same with like like there. I think like you could say I could see where there may be some some kids in high school who are like they have a friend who's non binary. They're like, yeah, I I want I want you to call me non binary for a while. I want to go by that. Sure, maybe you know, and, and maybe it is, but he, which. Even if it is a phase, it harms nobody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Say there's like a, a child who claims to be non-binary and, and, and is it? Let's just say for the sake of argument, like that that's not what, what's going on. That, that's not exa- what's happening. Let's say it is. That just means you they go by different pronouns for a year during yeah. the phase. Yeah. What, that, that, that's what you're upset about for one year and they're fine. They're still happy and healthy. It, it's, it, it bothers me so much. And I think... Um, one of these fears that people have about trans people about how like more people are coming out. They're like, well, what about all the people who tra- detransitioned, you know, who would transition like from, from female to male and then transition back. And first of all, that means they weren't really trans, you, you know, right. but um, let's, let's say, let, let's say 5% of people transition back. Just, just, it's not 5%. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not, it's way it's less. less. Let, mm-hmm. It's way less. Let's say 5%. Um, People are also misdiagnosed as having cancer. That doesn't mean we stop <laughs> looking for ways to diagnose cancer and treating cancer. Yeah. You know, and, and I think they, they look at this like, like. Right, exactly. No, no, we have to take away all cancer treatments. No more chemo right. for anyone. No, especially chemo under 18. Mm-mm. Right, right. And it's not even 5%. It, it's a fraction. It, it's right. a fraction. But it's just people just like if the only thing that says is we need to get better at diagnosing people who are trans and helping people who are yeah. trans. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, excuse me a second. No. And I was going to say that it reminds me, I, I, I will draw another correlation to how people speak about race, which when he says, when things change th- this much, this fast. Now that line is a line that has been used 
by Tucker Carlson to speak about the growing number of people of color in this country. Um, Specifically, basically, to float the Great Replacement Theory. The idea that, yeah, people of color are coming for uh, white people. And it's it's this, like, um, rhetorical, like, look, I'm not saying I'm against trans people or trans rights. I'm just saying, don't you think this is all changing a little much? And that statement, to me, excuses so much violence and brutality and, like, mm-hmm. allows... It's basically like, oh, yeah, no, I know someone was brutalized and I know, yeah, maybe there was a racially motivated or a hate crime over here. Um, But how can you expect any different when, you know, it's just changing so fast? Right. And I'm just asking questions. Mm -hmm. Like, like you you piece of shit. You're a piece of garbage. You're uh, going to hack bullshit with your (laughs) even what do you call a special, like adulting or something like that? God, I don't something know. Something which, I don't know, people stopped saying five years ago. So, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> he talks about this thing, like, I haven't changed. I haven't changed. It's the Democrats that have changed. It's liberals that have changed. It's like, no, society is changing. That's literally what society does. Like, it changed from 100 years ago. If we didn't change from 100 years ago, think what where we would be. Yes. So, of course, society progresses. You and. So no, it's he, so funny he's, that he's like, because he's saying the okay boomer, blah, 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 in jest, but like he proves himself to be an out of touch boomer every single week. You're, you're, you're basically referring to another monologue that he had where he was like, I haven't changed. Society's changed. It's like, yeah, bro. And you change with it. Yes. You're, you like, watch the fucking Sex in the City reboot if you can stomach it. You know, just look at how Miranda is suddenly not cool anymore. It's like the one storyline that I like really like where she I'm changed. like, it, it, no, she exactly. She didn't change. She's just, she's learning. She's trying not to be a Karen. She's like figuring out what like systemic racism is. And you know, it's like, yeah, that's what you are, Bill. Right. You're a Miranda 100%. in 2022. Like you're trying to figure out like that the world doesn't revolve around you. Um, right. For the first time. And you've never had to do that because no, you've had it 100%. made in the shade. And and I will just I will just say that he also like actually names someone that I know by name, um, which is really fucked up in doing uh, like an anti essentially an anti trans segment and then naming the name of a trans person and kind of putting a target on their back. Right. Um. Who he's a lawyer. He's like in the public. He's public facing. Whatever. But he does this in this like. He's like, oh, it, the pride is so representative this year. And he's like, they're trans people. They're lesbians. There's this. There's that. You know what? There aren't no gay men. And he's like, what the, who the, what the fuck do you care if there's gay men? Like, also, he could be more specific if he knew. It, so he could be like, there's no cis gay men. Right? Like, again, right, right, conflating right. gender and sexuality. But, like, again, and then this is like, again, with the hierarchies the obsession with creating gendered sexual sexuality hierarchies, racial hierarchies. And every time we have to, you incorporate new groups of marginalized people into your understanding, like these folks always think that that means we're forgetting about cis gay men. Right. Right. And, and I mean, you, you sort of need to look at the history of the pride parade and realize like, like it's almost, all gay men <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like going through the years like how many how many like like that was where you saw gay men because gay men were the ones who were punished the most for you know you know during stonewall like like it was gay men or at the time you know, exactly you know? although obviously like now you look back you'd be like 
that person was probably trans, wasn't couldn't transition given the circumstances. But I mean, it's like you look at the the history of it, it's like, of course, you want to represent everyone all along the way. You know, it's not like it's just like An either I'm done or. with you and I'm moving here. It's just here's a group that was under represented yes at the past and we're representing that person because of what they do or we don't care we know they're part of our community and we're not trying to pigeonhole that person as a certain identity we're just saying you're great for the community period right Uh, and i I think there's a certain like class tone deafness that i think a lot of like obviously there's class tone deafness it's fucking bill maher but like you know, understanding the ways that the Pride Parade has been co-opted and definitely while it started off, you know, with gay men being, yes, brutalized at Stonewall and like has radical roots that like especially even where it took place and where Stonewall is in the West Village is totally gentrified. And it's like lots of kind of wealthy, you know, gay men who um, there is not as much of a space for like young you know queer kids of color or like you know trans people and like so so it it is like there are also ways that pride has become again co-opted and corporatized and there are gradations like the lgbtq community is not a monolith and but that's completely lost on him so it's funny because like you like you could see his argument being made by like a really elitist, like brownstone owning, like right. gay guy on the pride committee being like, what about us? You know, and our right, representation right. It's like a hundred percent. And no 100%. one would take that person seriously. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And it's, there was something else. He, he was on, um, I don't know. Someone was doing a show. It was like a pot show. It was a show about weed, you know? And he's like, he was talking to the host, you know, like while she's smoking, he's like, and he's trying to act cool, you know. He's sitting back in a chair <laughs> with someone like that, his grandmother or his granddaughter's age. Like, yeah, but now society, tra- like pregnant men, and she's just <laughs> like, yeah, 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 pregnant men. All right, yeah. And he's like, what's he's- the deal with that? <laughs> it's like, what the- bro, this is was he high too? Probably, but uh, he's like trying to insert. Can you imagine? Be I just uh, see, I'm someone who, like, when I smoke, I become way more empathetic. But like, mm-hmm. other people tell me that, like, no, right wingers are super on board, obviously, with weed, and somehow it doesn't make them more empathetic. But I love that, like, conversations I have when I'm high, which are like, like, aliens, bro, like, that other people are like, yeah, but like, pregnant men, like, using it as an excuse <laughs> to just talk shit about trans people, like, yeah, it's it's. Like, like he was never occurred to like, me. Gonna, what a waste of I'm a gonna, high. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to blow her away with my insight. Transgender pl- pregnant man. And he, and, and, the, and she was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's like, yeah, I think she did some, one of these, like <laughs> some snaps, you know, it was, it was some weird, like, <laughs> you know, like he uh, didn't, he something. did, he had to, he went to go like, look this up on urban dictionary, yeah. <laughs> which by the way, love snaps as a comic. Please don't snap in the audience. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't need snaps. Oh, although if it's got if it's shrieking, uh, go go stick with the snaps. Oh sure, but, shrieking, but laughing is, heckling, laughing, still. laughing is the sweet spot of reactions. Yeah, that that's sort of what you go for uh, in general and historically through uh, millennia. <laughs> so let's let's stick with that, boomers. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm talking about the young people, but yes. Oh my god, I was at anyway. I don't have to talk about the no, I hate, the worst audience. I, I don't get it. It's like, like when you're when, when you're at a comedy club, like that's and you're in the audience, like that. That's a normal reaction. That like that's how we know. Laugh. I don't know. Right. I was at like, a, I was at like, a very I agree bad. With what you're saying. I was at a bad show in the audience. There was there was this one guy in the front row, and he was just like not looking at me, and he wouldn't laugh. He'd just be like, <laughs> just like, oh my god, dude. Why? Why are you in the front row? Why did I even? And then the other, the woman, the woman next to him wasn't laughing either. She was just gripping her book. They had come out of like, like a book read, like some kind of book club nearby. And this was like in a, you know, in Echo Park, kind of like a, you know, hipstery right. spot in LA. And she was just like, like that was her face. And I think she was like gripping like Audrey Lord or something woke, you know, something cool, you right, know. Right. And she's just like, "Am I? Can I laugh? It's not okay." And then her friend. Snap, snap, snap. It would have been better if like like he was snapping and she would do like this. You know, or they each have their own personal hands. Twinkling, signal. twinkling right, right. In, in activist spaces. All right, well let's let's move to one other. This is a highlight okay. of um of you know sort of shameful takes um from within, I guess maybe within the trans community and outside of it. So that was Bill Maher. But Caitlyn Jenner, maybe off of her I don't know, loss for governorship of California, pitiful loss. Um, Her inability to fit in every time she goes to right-wing conferences, she's always trolled. um, And yet she keeps on throwing the left and other trans people or liberals, anybody, keeps on throwing them under the bus. And so here she was um, most recently, Paige maybe confirmed where this was, but here she, here's what she had to say about Kind of a similar tack to Bill Maher on how everyone is trans now. It was at Costco yelling at the cashier. It, yeah, yeah, definitely waiting in line for a, a, a sample. There are so many things on YouTube on kids who have transitioned and people see this. Um, and it's become right now this issue has become so big. Almost every day on the news, there's something about being trans. Mm-hmm. That kind of bothers me, to be honest with you, for this reason. Being trans is about that much of the population. It is such a small group of people who are actually trans or really suffering with gender dysphoria. And right now, because of the amount of publicity that it's getting, um, it's like everybody thinks they're trans, which is not the case. The only thing I can identify with with this is back in the late 70s, um, I got a phone call from this local TV station here in L.A. And they heard I was dyslexic. And because I never talked about it, who's going to talk about it? And so anyway, he says, I'd love to do an interview with you about that, you know. And I go, hey, that's great. Yeah, love to. And we did the interview. And in today's terms, it kind of went viral. It went all over the place. And I watched over the next five years, eight years, I I watched the word being dyslexic get bigger and bigger and bigger. And people opening up schools for dyslexic kids. Parents now are so aware of it. If the kid, you know, says some words backwards or does whatever he's doing, um, they go, oh, my God, my child's dyslexic because everybody knows about being dyslexic now. And 
schools open up, programs open up, parents are putting, spending money and putting them into these programs to help their kids. And I can't blame the parents, but it just got out of hand. Okay. So that was from yeah. the Pivot podcast uh, hosted by former NFL stars Channing Crowder, Fred Taylor, and Ryan Clark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, right. Dyslexic should never be learn how to read apparently. Uh, is that what she, I, I don't understand. Is that what else going on? What an idiot. What, what an asshole. It's, uh, it's so amazing to compare. First of all, she basically took credit for <laughs> dyslexia being commonly spoken about because not to brag, but it went viral. Right. Right. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. And, and also the fact that like it was now, Oh, uh, it's too far. It's too far. <laughs> too many people are, are dyslexic. Wait, this is too, too much. I'm special, not you. There's too much literacy and too many people. It's like it's like glasses, you know. You know, like once once I started wearing glasses, then everyone wanted to start wearing. I'm like, oh my god, are you even blind? Like, can you can you read the? It's too many kids can read the board now. Yeah, I want to be dyslexic. (laughs) Who doesn't want to be dyslexic? Everyone wants to be. What an asshole! What a fucking asshole! I, I mean, like. Oh, yeah, the the fact that no one talked about it, and now like the, even saying like people who are suffering from gender dysphoria, maybe make it so having gender dysphoria is no longer something you suffer with; it's something you can openly discuss and be treated about. You know, and, and what a, what an asshole! I just every time like someone talks about uh, Lindsey Graham being closeted, you know, they're like, oh, maybe Lindsey Graham is trans. I'm like, no, we took. The last asshole. This one has to go to the gays. The gays, <laughs> you guys need to step up and take this one because we're, we took the last one. It's like, like, <laughs> well, and I want to ask you, I mean, I do her point initially. It's like, wasn't all that bad. You know, the overblown nature of, you know, basically trans issues as being, you right. know, in the rights mind, it's like 80% of people. And again, you even right. see Bill Maher, who's not on the right. I mean, not openly wow. on the right, a closeted Republican who essentially, yeah, again, echoed the same sort of these, the, the stats essentially are conflating saying, yeah, there's just all oh, there. Everyone's trans now, essentially. Um, and so I think that was a good point of like, we're making, we're making this a bigger issue than, than the number of people it affects, but still yes. the people who it affects need need assistance need treatment need exactly need need to feel accepted need to not feel need to not be brutalized or or stigmatized and all of those important things but it is it's also a little bit of like i feel like she's claiming like people are a little bit similarly like well when i was talking about dyslexia it's a little bit like well i almost was waiting for her to be like and then since i've transitioned like I think a lot of people have transitioned. Right. Um, right, right. I'm sort of a role model. I'm kind of a big deal. Uh, you may have seen me on the show. Can be keeping up with the Kardashians. Uh, no, I, it really bothers me. Like, like the fact that yes, it's overblown is perfect. Yes, of course. There's of course, like, I think it was West Virginia. They made a law banning uh, trans high schoolers and middle schoolers from competing in sports. Uh, and then they're like, is this a problem? Do you know of a trans person competing in sports in the state? And no, no of course not. Of course not. No, because there wasn't, you know, there wasn't one. And and most people who, even if someone in middle school is transitioning at that, that young age, they're probably way shittier at sports yes. than anyone else. I mean, like, like really, like, um, you know, for every, <laughs> like, give me a break. It doesn't like the, mean you have like superhuman strength and it, that you're suddenly exactly. an incredible athlete. 
Exactly. And honestly, if Leah, tra- Leah Thomas was able to transition in middle school, there she would not be dominating. That, I, I, let, let's be honest. Let, this wouldn't even be a discussion about any of this stuff. So why don't you make it so we have more kids who can transition? But no, they, they're... Leah Thomas, so, who's a swimmer and who is, who's uh, like very... Um, uh, whatever competed in the NCAA, I guess. Um, is that what it is? Right, right. And, and is, yeah, uh, or... yeah, yeah. So I, I think Leah Thomas is a really interesting example. Cause people are like, it's essentially like, it, it also pushes these buttons around like, okay, are you okay with trans athletes? Not just participating, but, but winning, you know? Right. And I think right. the answer has to be yes. My- yeah. I, I, I mean, People think, make it seem like, what about all these trans trans athletes? No, one, one. It's one. It's one. Uh, and and uh, in the, all of the NCAA, it's one that's winning. And so, I mean, stop making it like a big deal. Now, and yeah, like if it were up to me, it's like people would be able to transition before puberty and not have to deal with this. Like, like, uh, but the fact that people are bitching about this, and I'm like, by the way, if you if you're upset about Leah Thomas, you better not be voting for Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. That's all I'm saying. Like that, that's it. That, that's it. That's oh, it's so true. Well, can I ask you, and just to get a little bit more personal, you know, mm-hmm. with the amount of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of bands on, um, you know, trans kids playing sports to n- not being allowed to access gender affirming care before the age of 18 to not even being able to speak about issues. Like how does that, you know, reflecting on your transition, reflecting, reflecting on your life, like how, would that have impacted you and how, how do you feel just getting your thoughts on that? Right. Well, I mean, I, I didn't transition until after I was 18. I, I, uh, you know, I I was well past that. And, and, and I mean, the fact that it's open now and available is it's literally can be a lifesaver for children. You know, it literally could be a lifesaver. Um, that there are some things that I'm sure we're, we're doing wrong and we need to work on because we, it, it is, fairly new if you think it's been around forever but it's fairly new that we're actually addressing it as something more than just like a mental health problem right um is but and and there are some things like i i think we need to treat like kids who are born assigned male that are trans differently than the ones who are assigned female i don't think it can be a cookie cutter approach Mm -hmm. especially since testosterone is just so powerful you know and and so, so there are some things for sure, but I mean, like to cut it off for everyone and to, to, is, it, it's incredibly upsetting to me. It really, it really gets to me. I just, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to be a child that, that like, I can't imagine what it would have been like for me to have an opportunity to be who I knew I was this whole time and then have that yanked away by the government because they think they know better than I do. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just, it's infuriating to me. Um, and look, there are some things like, like I think with, like if, if it's a to- like yeah, it's a topic. If, like I think, does Leah Thomas have an advantage over other? I think yes. Mm-hmm. I think I think she probably does. I think um, you know if you compete on a level with men, I think maybe the NCA should be like you know what if you compete as a in the men's division, maybe you're disqualified or something. But there's definitely an advantage, and that's one thing to talk about. But now. Imagine you're a six-year-old or sixth grader who transitioned, and, and the and the teacher says to them, "You're not allowed to play soccer with the rest of the kids." Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, how you want to ostracize this group even more? Right. It's it's From, it's infuriating to me. I know, as someone who's like not an athlete, but like it's yeah, it's you know, if I wasn't able to do drama 
because of my gender identity or sexuality, I would flipped out. Like I would have had nothing. I would have had to do sports. (laughs) That would have sucked for me because I'm not an athlete. (laughs) Right, right. But but Jay, we're going to, we will see you in the bonus episode for more, but I did just want to shout out, you know, you uh, are going to be opening for Amy Schumer this uh, later this summer. And um, you're writing on Inside Amy Schumer and you are like touring and recording an album pretty soon. Yeah. So July 19th. Plug. Yeah. July 19th. I'll be uh, Union Hall at, in Brooklyn. Um, and that'll come out at some point. But I'll be recording and I'll have two shows if you want to get tickets for that. I'll be like, like you said, Amy Schumer. And I'll just be, you know, hanging out, sweating, being angry about it. Oh, my God. July, July 19th. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's exciting. OK, so everybody. I know. I know. Um, follow jay on the socials uh let's see i'm throwing them up here yeah jay mcbride on twitter jye mcbride and um yeah get tickets if you're in new york that'd be great um fuck yeah and then we will see you in the bonus um we're going to talk about comedy specifically we're going to talk about what it is uh that is just compelled people like ricky gervais and dave Chappelle to right consistently target trans people in some of their just the worst joke writing. Yeah, is, is there is there nothing else going on? I, I just, you know, but no, yeah, I look forward to talking. Literally about nothing else. Um, thank you so much, Jay. Take really good care. Thanks for watching all those clips uh, with idiots. Uh, clips with idiots. It's a new segment here on the Bituation Room. Um, and thank you everyone for being here. Thank you for your super chats, which I'm assuming are coming in, just flowing, just making it rain super chats because you know mama's gonna be a mama uh very soon and um with that i am super excited to actually you know jay and i talked about it but let's talk about those those bills that are coming down the pike let's talk about the political atmosphere um and what is going on nationally in terms of transgender rights, transgender children, um, and how uh, they are systematically being targeted by the right in this country. Um, This is the sitch. And joining us for the sitch to talk about all of the anti-trans legislation that is being passed one after another in states across this um, ridiculous country that we somehow still choose to live in because, God damn it, where else are we going to go? Um, she is a legislative and policy researcher for the Transformations Project. She's a fierce advocate for transgender rights and trans youth. She also created the largest map of hormone therapy clinics for transgender people. Please welcome Erin Reed. Hello, how's it going? It's okay. I mean, things could be better. Uh, But I wanted, I'm so happy to have you here. You know, uh, this is the beginning of Pride Month and uh, not a lot to be proud about as just an American um, who's not in the LGBTQ plus community, but an ally personally. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling pretty shitty. Um, But I also am so thankful to have people like yourself who are tracking what's been going on across the country. And because I think we kind of conflate, oh, it's all awful. It's all terrible. And look away, even though this is, has really important impacts on people's lives right now. Um, Just to bring, Aaron knows this, but to bring everybody else up to speed just in this year, 
300 anti-LGBTQ plus laws introduced in the U.S. We're not even, we're six months in, not even. They fall into broad buckets. A lot of them are aimed at transgender Americans, specifically um, banning trans youth from playing sports according to their gender identity, and then stopping gender-affirming care. And I wanted to focus on those two things first, Erin. What did you make? Because I've been really interested in the fact that in certain states, um, I believe they're banning basically uh, trans girls in sports, you know, uh, outright to so-called protect sports. But recently, the governor of Indiana vetoed a transgender sports ban, as did the governor of Kansas. Um, in Kansas, the legislature tried to override. I believe Kansas was successfully overrid the veto. Can you clarify that? Kansas was a successful uh, veto override, and it, it it was successful by the margin of a single vote, which is just mind-blowing. If you didn't think that state legislatures mattered and r- resting them from the hands of Christian nationalist extremists, were you surprised by those governor's moves, given that they are Republican governors and they blocked these bans, basically stating fairness, which is, I think, what we've all been saying. Um, so, yes, I, w- I was a little bit surprised, although it's been really interesting. This has been something that has come up in multiple states uh, this year. So, for instance, uh, Utah, the governor of Utah also vetoed their sports ban. The veto was overridden, but the governor of Utah, a Republican, um, wrote actually a really just astoundingly well-written defense of transgender youth within his state. And it seems like what's really hammering the point across to some of these Republican um, governors is that they don't want families to be forced to flee their states and that that's what these bills do. And Mm. and for whatever reason, like that's come up a few times that like, we don't want people to be forced out of our state. And, you know, I, I, Unfortunately, it hasn't worked that way in every state. You know, there are many states where these bills did pass and the Republican governors did sign them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's nice to see that, like, not all of them are just falling into line. Sure. You know? Why do you think that is in terms of not wanting people to leave? Is it just like it's way better? I mean, is it a business move? Is it a we want to be safe and a good state for families move? You know, these are also states that have really lax gun laws, for example. You know, and I think I think that there's a mixture here. I think that on one hand, you could go into the sort of like capitalistic analysis of this and like our company is going to leave my state. Are people going to find my state appealing to move to especially tech industry, et cetera? Right. Uh, or you could perhaps say that maybe some of them do feel a little bit of guilt whenever somebody leaves their state. I don't know. Yeah. Um, What's in their hearts? (laughs) Right. 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 I mean, (laughs) um, but, but, you know, I just, I think that it's, it's, I hope that more can make that kind of a decision to, to make sure that like trans youth aren't forced out of their States because it's really, it's unfortunate to see it happen. And this comes up more in like the healthcare type bills because um, whenever these, you mentioned like the lax laws and lax gun control, stuff like that. Um, it, this has come up before in some of these states where they simply say that they don't want to regulate it. And so, I mean, God bless them, you know, awesome. <laughs> I would love for them, excuse me, bless you. I would love for them to, you know, stick by that particular principle on this particular topic. That'd be great. 
Um, right. Unfortunately, most of them do not. And in just sticking with sports for a little bit longer, like what do you what do you feel like the impact on trans teens is banning them, barring them from playing sports according to their gender identity? Um, what does that do? You know, um, it singles them out. And one thing that doesn't get talked about enough, especially with the sports bans, is that in most of these states, there are less than a dozen trans athletes. In many states, there are only one or two. And so, you know, you have states that are creating these panels that will literally kind of meet and get hired to analyze whether or not a person is a man or a woman, quote unquote. And they're going to be paid, you know, millions of dollars just literally because they have two trans athletes in their state. That's the case of Utah. Wow. Um, That's what so, they're spending so money like on, not health Yeah. Yeah. Like for, for a couple kids that literally are playing little league or soccer, or, you know, we're not talking about, you know, somebody that's dominating a sport. We were talking about people that are most likely just playing in a football game or playing baseball or softball. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and to say nothing of like, I'm thinking of the impact of also, if you are, if you do like sports, I never did much more of a theater kid, going to be honest with you. But like, given the amount of, um, ostracization of like suicidal ideation among trans youth already of, of you know bullying etc 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 sports you would think would be such an important outlet and community to actually have um good move kitty uh and, <laughs> and uh it knows and and so and to take that away is for again you're saying like a couple people a couple of trans teens who also play sports and then you're saying you're, you defend women's sports, supposedly. It's, I mean, it's really, really laughable at a certain mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, and, and obviously, and interestingly, uh, the way that patriarchy works would have it that no one, is care, no one cares about um, trans men in men's sports. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You never hear anything about trans men. And it's in my opinion, it's because um, and you hear this is often in like all aspects of how transgender people are discussed. Trans men are often left out. Trans masculine people are often entirely left out yeah. um, because of the fact that, you know, they like to paint transgender people as predators and they see much more success doing that by focusing on trans feminine people rather than trans masculine people for whatever reason. Right. Well, let's go to some of the stuff that you really track and, and specifically in terms of um, creating a database for home, hormone therapy clinics that actually practice gender affirming care, which is hormone therapy is part of that, um, and that do something called informed consent. Why? Maybe we're skipping a few steps, but wh- why is informed consent so important for trans people or non-binary people when it comes to seeking um, affirming care. So tra- informed consent is extremely important for, for me, it made the difference as to whether or not I was going to transition. I think, um, I had a fairly typical like transgender experience as a kid in terms of like in the nineties, I grew up, I had a fairly solid idea of what my gender identity was. I repressed it because I was living in the South. And whenever I had, um, originally learned about being transgender, I discovered that at the time in the 90s, you had to go through something called real life experience, which means that before you're even allowed to start hormone therapy or anything like that, you basically have to dress as your gender and present as your gender 
out in public for like two years. Um, that has become very much not in practice in the last 10 years or so because of the fact that um, that would often single transgender people out for much abuse and targeting and violence because you know, the transgender person had had no ability to change their appearance, their hormonal profile, and often it would very much cause a lot of trouble for that person. So the reason I mention this is because um, I had held off on my own transition because that seemed like a terrifying prospect. And it wasn't until I turned around 30 years old, um, which was three years ago for me, so I'm dating myself here, uh, but uh, <laughs> um, that I learned that informed consent was now a major way that they did things. And so informed consent, what informed consent is, is you go to a doctor, you let them know your gender identity, you let them know that you're transgender. Um, they'll give a very basic psychological test slash battery that essentially covers, you know, are there other things going on in your life that we need to be aware of while we're treating you? Mm. Uh, but it's not meant to be a gatekeeping process. And they, as you are a consenting adult, they let you know the risks and benefits and the studies. They, you sign off on it and they will, um, they'll track your hormonal profile. They will treat you. They will give you your gender affirming care. Um, what the, what's so important about this is that if it's not for informed consent, you often have to go through thousands of dollars in therapy sessions and you have to go through many gatekeeping processes. You have to go to endocrinologists. And given the state of healthcare in the United States, that's very difficult for a lot of people, especially people, people in poverty yeah. or people that are students or people that don't know how to navigate the medical system. And so informed consent bypasses all of that and allows a transgender person to transition at their own pace, guided by medical professionals. Right. And, and that's, that's huge because otherwise is it's left up to some, I'm, I'm, I'm just understanding this myself. Um, like some sort of entity or body called, is it the world professional association for transgender gender health that decides whether or not you should or can or deserve hormone therapy because you are or are not like trans enough, so to speak? Yes. Yes. Uh, WPATH. Yes. The World Professional Association of Transgender Health. And, you know, they, WPATH has been in some ways good for transgender rights and acceptance, but also in some ways regressive. And so um, it wasn't until very recently that WPATH started allowing for informed consent. I know that their newest guidelines that they're putting out does explicitly allow for informed consent hormone therapy treatment. Um, but yes, it is the gatekeeping organization. And there are still doctors that are several standards of care behind in terms of following the WPATH recommendations. And in fact, um, most states in the United States are way behind in terms of coverage of medical care for transgender people. So for instance, yeah. um, things like hormone therapy, gender reassignment surgery are all that most insurances cover. But now in the standards of care now, um, they should be covering things like voice therapy or hair removal or masculinization and facial feminization surgery, various kinds of surgeries that a few standards of care ago, they didn't cover, but now they do. Mm -hmm. As someone who pays out of pocket for Obamacare, I'm like, I want all of it. <laughs> like, if I were, exactly. I'd be like, Give me every, these premiums. Are you kidding me? You're, mm -hmm. I'm going to get everything. Mm -hmm. Um, exactly. I want the Cadillac. Exactly. No. And, and, and of course all that is if you do have access to healthcare or can afford it, let's fucking get, do away with access if you can afford it. Um, but, but so you're saying essentially that with informed consent, you go in, you can speak to a medical professional and they're not going to immediately sort of raise an eyebrow or ask you, 
you know, a myriad of questions or say, we'll come back almost like an abort, the way abortion is criminalized, um, you know, come back in two years and tell me how you're feeling and then we'll discuss. And there are very much people that go through that process if it were not for informed consent. The amount of stories that I hear on Twitter, people messaging me, transgender people that had gone to a therapist for three years before they realized that their therapist was simply gaslighting them and holding back their ability to transition. Jeez. Um, it's, it, it's more common than you might think. Yeah. Right. And so all those barriers uh, didn't seem to be enough for a lot of Republican-led states, of course, when it comes to gender-affirming care and specifically with minors. Um, Alabama's made it a felony recently to provide any gender-affirming care. Uh, you can get 10 years in prison for doing so. Uh, um, it, I believe, what are, the, what are the other states that have followed suit? Yes. So Alabama is the big one. Mm -hmm. um, Arkansas was the first one. Arkansas actually did it uh, last year. Um, although the Arkansas ban was not a felony provision, it still bans gender affirming care, it removes the doctor's licenses. Um, the other states are Texas, because Texas has a, Texas is a weird one, because there's no law on the books that says that you can't provide gender affirming care in Texas. However, just in February, Attorney General Paxton um, wrote a letter to Greg Abbott saying that under the Texas child abuse guidelines, gender affirming care is ch child abuse. The child abuse guidelines say nothing about gender affirming care, but they're basically interpreting them as they see fit to now crack down on the parents of transgender youth in Texas and to attempt to um, literally take their kids away. Uh, so Texas is the other one other than Arkansas. I mean, amazing to me that these are some of the same states that are basically completely doing away with abortion in every single case, uh, including incest. You're like, oh, cool. That's so that's not necessarily child abuse, but uh, supporting your trans kid is got it. Got it. Got it. Um, well, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because the linkage between um, abortion rights and transgender rights is very extremely strong, even to the point that the same organizations that are pushing for uh, abortion rollbacks are the same organizations that are pushing for trans rights rollbacks. And they're using the same arguments. So just in. Um, Ohio, for instance, uh, yes, uh, last week, there was a um, lawyer from the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is one of the largest organizations that is currently trying to ban transgender rights in the United States, as well as trying to ban abortion care in the United States. And he literally said that you can pass this law because of fetal or ultrasound bills and use the same defense logic behind it. Like he had like some sort of legal rationale and said, they're just the same. You can pass them the same. And I'm like, okay, so you're just basically admitting that the linkage is there, you know? Well, let's stay on that for just a second. Can I ask you, um, I, I think sort of callously, a lot of people are like, well, why would the, why would the gay community, the LGBTQ plus community, the trans community, why would they care about, you know, Roe v. Wade being overturned? Obviously you've heard the Bill Maher, uh, dumb, dumb clip going around, but actually the links between the attacks on Roe and the attacks on abortion rights, um, and the attacks on trans people are really linked when, if and when Roe v. Wade is overturned, how do you see that impacting also trans people in addition to the fact that people, trans people can get pregnant, number one, uh, but also um, just what does that mean for bodily autonomy, for privacy, all those kinds of questions? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's beyond the basic fact that yes, transgender people do get pregnant and they are also much more likely to suffer from things like poverty and inability to escape a state and inability to just move out. 
Um, so just by virtue of that, you know, the LGBT population and trans people in particular are disproportionately impacted by laws that are focused on abortion rights and reproductive health and also contraception, you know, being another main major deal for a lot of transgender people. But beyond that, you know, some of the some of the very like foundations that Roe v. Wade is built off of kind of spiderwebs out into all kinds of rights that we have, you know, rights to marry who we see fit, rights to engage in whatever sexual activity that we see fit with a consenting adult. And whenever they start to chip away at fundamental rights, it seems very easy for them to simply move on to other associated rights that are based on some of the same rationale. I can tell you, for instance, um, once Roe v. Wade gets repealed, there are states that are currently uh, considering passing laws that make it illegal to leave the state to seek an abortion. And this is becoming a big deal. There are other states that are reacting to this. Yes. Um, the same people that are using those arguments are also now um, proposing laws to make it illegal to take a transgender kid out of the state to seek gender affirming care. And so this is, it's, it's all interconnected and it's all part of a patriarchal system to define us by our reproductive capability and to use that to establish a gender hierarchy. And that's just, that's how it, that's how it works. It's so simple. That's all they want. The, uh, the gender hierarchy. Fuck that shit. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I know it's real. I know. And you're just like, wow. Um, it's gotta, I'm just like, it's gotta suck to be just like a cis, het, rich, white, old dude. I mean, it's great. But it's like, why? What are you? What the fuck are you clinging to, bro? Uh, I, I get, I get so mad um, that they have to force this so strongly shows how weak it really is. You know? <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly right. That is, that is exactly it, uh, Aaron. I think that is the crux. That when I get down about this kind of stuff, I come back to the fact that, oh no, this is the last gasp of them. These these fucks trying to hold on and sort of institute hierarchies when we're imploding them and people are living in their true selves, how they want to live, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Does it mean anything to you that let's say 19 States are saying, you know, run by Democrats. They're like, we want to be refuges um, for people, trans people for their families who want to come get gender affirming care. And we will not like, extradite them to Alabama. Um, do you feel like that is enough or is that comfort? You know, I, and it's funny that you mentioned enough because only one state has passed that so far. Connecticut is the only state to pass it. A lot of them have talked about it, but you know, even in very heavily democratically controlled states, we're still waiting, you know, California, we're waiting to see if it comes out of California, New York, it's proposed. I don't think it's had a committee hearing yet. It seems like it's kind of sitting on the back burner. I don't think it's enough. I do think that it's good. And I do think that we need one of the number one things that we need, because a lot of people that live in blue states, mm -hmm. you know, they always ask me, it's like, what can I do about what's going on in Alabama? And I tell them, I'm like, forget about, I don't forget about Alabama, but like, look at your backyard, you know, because, because there's not a single state in the country that is perfect on LGBTQ rights right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in your most liberal of states, you still have issues. And so Pushing back is important. I think that it's important to declare that, you know, not only are you not just going to sit around, but you're going to erect a, a wall. Uh, you're going to erect a defense against this from proceeding. Um, but is it enough? No, I don't think it's enough. Because even if even if all of these states 
declare safe state laws. And they should. Mm-hmm. I, I, I truly believe that they should protect anybody that exits Alabama and Texas to flee to another state. And I hate that we have refugees in our own country for this. <laughs> but any state that does this, you know, the fact that the people that flee are the ones that have the money to flee. Yeah. And you you can't get everybody out of Texas. You know, I, I read a statistic that there's probably somewhere around 110,000 transgender people in Texas. Most of them probably, you know, a good number of them are, are transgender youth. You're not going to get all of those people out of Texas. They're going to be forced to stay there. Yeah. And so we need more. I mean, we need so much more. You know, maybe we need um, some of these states that are passing these laws. Maybe we need resettlement programs to where whatever they do get to, the, to these states, like they, they're given resources to where they can exist for a little while. Maybe we need, you know, some sort of a national effort. I mean... We need a lot. Yeah, we need, we need so much. Yeah, I mean, on a on an like in terms of you know the abortion fight feels like it's codifying Roe. It feels like it's even saying the word abortion out loud. In terms of trans rights and protection, um, how can something like the federal government go farther? I mean, they're they're not doing much. They're on recess. They get back <laughs> tomorrow, BT Dubs. But uh, but what you know laying out sort of your playbook on, on the national level, what would, what would be the right course of action? I mean, the federal government at this point, it's like a block of wood. It's just, it's not moving. It's just just sitting there. I, you know, I, I struggle about like, what can we do federally? Because it feels like the federal government is absolutely broken. And it's like, we're, we're at the point where we're kind of all fending for ourselves in our states right now. And our, and the people, the, those of us that are living in more regressive states are having to fend for themselves a whole lot more. Um, you know, I think that there are executive things that can be done. I think that they are things that, um, for one reason or another, uh, the Biden administration has not wanted to do, but I think that they should do, especially in the state of Texas. Um, for instance, they do control the, um, the purse strings around child protective services. And if Texas is going to weaponize child protective services to take transgender children from their parents, then I don't think that our federal dollar should pay for that. Yes. And, you know, I think that for whatever reason, there's been reluctance to pull those strings, but at this point, like they've already decided that they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so can we just talk more specifically? Cause um, you know, it, it seems like, there are a lot of bad faith arguments obviously being made by an anti-trans lobby um, right right now. And this is pre-recorded, but, you know, you've got a bill, HB 454 in Ohio, that's being debated, um, which, again, blocks healthcare professionals from providing gender affirming treatment, hormone replacement therapy, reconstructive surgery, puberty blockers to trans kids. Um, and... Its author, the uh, the the author of the bill, is a uh, uh, organization called Safe, or they, the bill is called Safe. But it's or what, who's behind it? Tell me who's behind yeah. that. So, so the bill is called Safe, the Safe Act, the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, which is its own Orwellian thing, which I can <laughs> go into a million times. I've already done it before. The people that are behind it are the American Principles Project, the Alliance Defending Freedom, and another just general group of these organizations that have banned around um, 
that have banned around trying to ban gender affirming care for trans youth. Mm -hmm. For instance, there's one called the uh, American College of Pediatricians, which is literally only set up to confuse the legislators with the American Association of Pediatrics, because the American Association of Pediatrics is a professional organization with 11,000 doctors. The American College of Pediatricians is a conservative organization with 200, you know, pediatricians and also lobbyists. And so... You know, you have all these organizations that are that are behind it, um, but mainly the American Principles Project. And, you know, I, I want to really in particular focus in on the APP because of the very cynical way that they've done this, that they've managed to pass some of these laws this year. Um, you see, uh, in 2016, the a lot of people will remember the North Carolina bathroom ban yes. whenever they banned transgender people from using the bathroom. That cost North Carolina around $3 billion because many companies pulled out of North Carolina. The NBA pulled their all-star game. Um, very famously, several, you know, several games were pulled, several concerts were pulled. And so the American Principles Project is on record. Uh, there's a news article where they discuss this with a reporter as saying that this time they specifically chose pro-business states to um, to launch their laws. And so Texas, Florida, you know, places that had very few corporate regulations, as well as they decided to wait a few years and then target several states at the same time to make it harder hmm. for companies to put pressure on the states. And so they kind of because just, they're so the company is just so entrenched in that state or. Yeah, got it. Yeah, because there are so many tax breaks in the state. The company doesn't want to leave. You know, we've we've seen what's going on in Texas. There are still just as many companies in Texas. Corporations have been absolutely silent and they're, they're not doing anything. And, you know, whenever Pride Month comes along and we see all of these companies paint their logos and rainbow flags, it's going to be the most infuriating thing to me. Absolutely. And, and, it, and for me, like, and I think it's okay to, I think we should put these issues together. I think we're at a moment where we have to look at this, um, we have to look at abortion rights. We have to look at the attack on the LGBTQ community as part of the same fight. Um, but I keep on waiting for corporations to be like, yeah, no, I'm fucking leaving Texas because there, this is a line about what you do with your body and how you live your life. And it's about freedom. And we're standing against that. And it's like, if Disney is doing more than some corporations and like, I'm sorry, the, the smallest round of applause for them, because before they were trying to work with Florida to like soften the blow of the don't say gay <laughs> bill. Like, I don't I don't fucking trust Disney at all. But I'm just saying, like, we need to make sure that this is it is um, untenable for them to sort of continue to do business as usual when there are such discriminatory, life threatening um, policies. And I guess I wanted to ask you about also you know, children and, and people under 18 and what it does when you prevent them from getting access to hormone therapy. I think there is a misconception around people who are not trans about how, um, just, just, uh, wait till you're older, you know, kind of thing. And, or, um, um, don't, don't meddle in puberty kind of just just some strict you know some some hetero blockheaded understandings of, of of what it is to be trans so what does that mean to prevent or to grant and to give gender-affirming care to kids to young yeah. people under 18 yeah and you know i think that there's a lot of people even people that are um more liberally minded that do that don't have you know the full picture of what it means to transition as a kid what it means to transition as a teenager and the importance of 
you know, affirmative care and a strong support system around them. And so, um, you know, several, several transgender people um, will end up waiting until they're at, they are adults and that works for some people. Um, but several will start experiencing extensive gender dysphoria in their young childhoods. And this is fairly common. It happens. Um, and whenever a kid younger than puberty transitions, all that, all that is, is them changing their hair, changing their clothes and using maybe a different name and pronouns. There's no medical component to it at all. Um, once that kid gets to the age of puberty, what will usually happen, and I've spoken to many families, um, is they will have already had quite a psychological support team. They'll have doctors, you know, they, they're speaking with specialists and with their care team that they have built up and their plan that they've set out over probably the course of several years, mm -hmm. um, they will eventually start on blockers, puberty blockers, which are reversible. Um, once they've started on puberty blockers, it will buy them three or four more years and they can get into their teenage years. And if somebody has been living as their gender for five, six, 10 years, mm -hmm. and they've been on blockers, they've been through several, several years of therapy, then in their mid-teenage years, they will be allowed to start their puberty based on whatever their gender identity is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for a trans feminine person taking estrogen, trans masculine person taking testosterone. Um, all of this to say, though, is that the effects, and they, there have been many studies about this recently, the effects of allowing a transgender teenager to start on gender-affirming care are tremendously positive. They are so beneficial to these teens. They, their suicidality, which the suicide rate in the trans population is extremely high. It is yeah. one of the highest rates of any sort of group of people that exists in the United States because yeah. it is a terrifying experience to know that you are a particular gender and to see your body completely betray that. Hmm. And, and so whenever you can give them affirming care, they have found that the suicide rate drops by 73%. It is the most, um, it is the most effective thing. That if somebody is transgender, it is the most effective thing you can do to a teenager to reduce their suicide rate. And, and, the, and not only that, 73%. And so they had a study and this, this one just made me cry because I realized the implication of it. They had a study where um, they looked at a large group of transgender youth and and they looked at the ones that were allowed to get on gender affirming care and the ones that were not allowed to get on gender affirming care. It was like 9,000 people total. Mm. And they found that in the 4,500 bucket that were not allowed to get on transgender care, there were 600 more suicide attempts. And then I got, I started thinking about that and it's like, these are people that aren't going to be with us. These yeah. are people that literally are gone. And then I started thinking, this is just the sample. This is just a little nine, a 9,000 person sample. You think about the hundreds of thousands of transgender youth in America. Yeah. And this is a large amount of people that like, they're like, that will, that their lives are under, under threat. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I've seen personally, like I've met many transgender kids and many transgender youth and to see the joy in these people's lives and to see the happiness and the ability to just grow up and be, you know, just like any other person that they want to be and to have that agency in their life, it's tremendous. It, it, it makes their, it makes their life like it's life changing for them. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, the person who has a huge role to play obviously is a, our, our parents. Um, and that can make or break your child, whether you support them or not. Um, and, and help them explore. Um, uh, 
two two things before we go into parents because I just wanted to say like I said like hetero blockheaded but uh, I just meant like cis blockheaded I think of course um, no, of course but then I also wanted to underline what you're saying which is the puberty blockers do just that they're not saying you'll never go through puberty ever it's just a blocker and so if you're like this is what I need in this moment and then whatever becomes clearer to you um, you want a complete transition or you do want a transition or not that that is. Um, that's not a forever block right. on your puberty. Right. It's not. Um, it's not. And, and actually, just before we talk about parents, I did want to ask about, you know, there is, I'm struck by the language and you've done such a great job covering this and just and like, so thank you and hats off. And I'm just so glad again, we have folks like yourself, you know, I've heard of gay conversion therapy and I haven't heard of like the detransing. I've never heard that phrase before, but in these, these extremist organizations are like floating the idea of, of people who want to detrans and how there's all you want to detransition. Um, and they float stats like 80 to 90% of trans kids reverse their decision. Um, what is wrong with that stat that they float? Yeah. So this is very similar. You know, you mentioned the gay conversion therapy stuff. And if you remember, and you know, a lot of the younger people might not remember this, but if you grew up in the nineties and you saw the gay rights, the great, the gay rights movement, you would remember the ex-gay movement. And that was a big deal, how they would parade the ex-gays, the people that, you know, I was gay, I'm no longer gay. And because I went through this form of therapy or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and we now know that most of those people have actually become, you know, started identifying as gay again. Um, the, the deal with the with the eighty to ninety percent detransition rate that is often cited, and every time it, every time it is, I will ping all of the legislators with the papers that show exactly why it's wrong. Um, is those rates were studied in the nineteen nineties, and anybody that knows anything about transgender history and the acceptance of transgender people in the United States knows that trans youth were not allowed in the 1990s. The first person, I believe, to legally transition as somebody under 18, I believe it was Nicole Maines. If, if she wasn't the first, she was one of the earliest. And that was in 2003. And that was in, um, I think it was Vermont or Maine. Mm -hmm. And that was a very famous case. There's a book about it called I Am Nicole. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. um, but these stats of the 80 to 90% rate were built in a time where transition was impossible. Um, they were also built around um, essentially calling any gender non-conforming person trans. So these are old guidelines based on 1980s, 1990s guidelines. Those guidelines today, the vast majority of people in those cohorts would not even be considered transgender. So, you know, for instance, they would consider somebody um, a boy who played with dolls as trans in that sort of study. And so, of course, that person is going to desist. The other thing, though, that is terrifying about the statistic is that um, if one of the goals that they're trying to pursue right now through a new form of conversion therapy called gender exploratory therapy is to essentially try to, and it's they're using a name specifically to make it sound good, mm -hmm. but here's what they do. They'll take a transgender youth, uh, 11, 12, 13-year-old, and they'll say, we'll give you puberty blockers after we try all these other things. And let's see like which if, if all these other things, are the real reason for you being trans. So they'll go to like anxiety, depression, et cetera. And this sounds perhaps like a good idea, but what they're doing, they will never give you those puberty blockers. They will blame you being trans on everything else. They'll wait three, four, five years 
through this gender exploratory therapy, kind of like crisis pregnancy centers, like we had talked about before. Right. And the goal, the goal is to get that person far enough into puberty to where they feel like there's just no turning back and they have to live with their bodies as it is today. And they've gone through lots of depression, lots of trauma, lots of anxiety. And often these people, you know, it's psychologically damaging for them. Many of them will still be in that high suicide rate camp. Right. And others will appear to detransition or desist. And then later on in life, decide to transition, you know, in the future. Right. Oh, that's really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, there's right. I was reading also that, like, if a man liked to cross dress, he was immediately labeled back in the day as trans. And that was sort of like. Right. So the lumping of that 90% is just uh, utter garbage. (laughs) So so recent studies have shown that the actual number is between two and 6%. And the, it's really interesting. If you look at the um, National Center for Transgender Equality survey in 2015, they showed that of the two to 6% that do detransition, more than half will retransition in the future. Mm. And then of that other less than half, so the 40% of the 2% um, of those people, that small bucket, Mm -hmm. the vast majority of those cite lack of family acceptance, lack of social support, lack of, you know, discrimination as their main reason for detransition. So even among the people that do detransition and do detransition permanently, the main reason that it happens by their own words is Nobody was supporting me. I was being discriminated against. I was facing violence. I was, which is effectively the Republican strategy. I mean, exactly, they're they're fine with that. They want to return to that. That's the whole point. They want to go back to the eighty to ninety percent detransition rates because that's how they were in the nineties and the eighties and the seventies. It was impossible to transition. In fact, that ten percent of people still transitioned based (laughs) on those guidelines and those timelines should say something because it was absolutely hostile. You couldn't do it. It was so hard. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to parents and 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 then we'll close out. But um, in Ohio recently, and you were live tweeting the discussion over their, you know, HB 454 bill. Um, and there a legislator is asking a parent, I uh, don't have the parent's name, but asking a parent, you know, like, did you know, did you take your kid to therapy? And the parent says, yes. And then I immediately pulled my kid um, who sh- uh, she like basically misgenders uh she's a parent of a trans daughter um keeps on referring to the trans daughter as he and says no i pulled i pulled my daughter because uh the therapist was supporting her too much so just take a look because aaron aaron was live tweeting this earlier madam chairwoman and to the representative i just have a quick question for you um yes ma'am so i I wanted to know if you would be able to elaborate on your child's experience um with therapy and then how because you talked about it a little bit but i just want a little bit more detail just you know um the experience with therapy and then you know how that may have helped your child you know come up with the decisioning to not you know, transition right now. So if you could elaborate on that. To the chairwoman and the representative. Um, Actually, I pulled him out of therapy because the therapist wanted me to immediately start him on hormones and was affirming and would not explore any of his underlying mental health issues. So, nope, didn't even, didn't even wait for the therapy to kick in. Uh, Just completely pulled the kid out as soon as the therapist was too affirming. Anyway, your reactions. 
Yeah. So, um, and thank you for playing that clip. She later would actually go on to say that she then brought um, brought her. I don't know the pronouns because unfortunately, following these people, we can't speak to the, their kids. Right. But brought brought her kid to several other therapists who said the same thing, and so she just decided not to um, pursue therapy at all. And you know, watching all of these hearings today and last week. Um, it was extremely sad because you could see how all of these families were struggling with, or how all these kids are probably struggling with these parents that probably put them through a lot of trauma. And I actually, you know, somebody got in touch with me mm -hmm. and found out that their mother had, um, had spoken at one of these hearings under an alias and only found out because of my account Wow! and didn't realize that, you know, that his mother was speaking under an alias, watched it and was furious and was like, this is, this is not true to my experience, you know, and like this put me through a lot of trauma and we're not hearing from the kids. We're not hearing from the, their, their children. And from everything that I've heard and all the people that I've spoken to, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. Oh my God. Awful. I mean, this is like, I'm just also reminded of, the white woman who's like biracial son she thought is like got radicalized by critical race theory and he's, she's like now he identifies as black i hate this it's just like the same awful parenting but i did want to ask you about like good parenting like how can parents and how are parents supporting their trans um daughters and sons like how does that what does that look like i have met so many good parents and just to see good parenting kind of it it makes me feel really emotional because you know mm -hmm. i um i know that i i was never going to be able to transition as a, as a teen as a youth um and you know i've i've had issues with my own parents in that same respect that a lot of these other kids have had very similar issues yeah and and good parenting um i know parents of trans kids and they will go to the end of the earth and back for their kids they will fight for their kids they will show up to these court hearings they'll, they'll show up to the to the to the legislative hearings they will stand there they will protest they will speak whenever allowed and in terms of taking care of their kid they are their children's biggest support system their kids thrive because of their acceptance because of their you know, ability and their willingness to trust the experts, trust their kid, to affirm their kid, to believe their kid and to give yeah. their kid that faith in that time of time of day. I, I know a parent that um, was in Alabama and in Alabama, they just passed this felony ban mm -hmm. and I was in touch with her and she was terrified. She's like, I, my, my daughter is 12. She's going to be you know, she's on blocker. She's going to eventually start hormone therapy. If this happens, like she has been living as herself for years and this will detransition her in school. And, you know, her daughter is, is thriving. Her daughter is, is intellectually, emotionally whole and strong. Yeah. And, you know, she's a computer programmer and she, she has friends and she has activities and sports. And so, um, you know, I had gotten together GoFundMe for her and she's since been able to leave Alabama and go to Massachusetts and, you know, seeing that this parent literally uprooted her entire life and moved across the country just so that her daughter could live a regular childhood that isn't under threat and under attack by a bunch of legislators. Yeah. 
that's huge. And 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 it kind of reminds me of what you said earlier about like how there should be resettlement. You know, there should be money available. There should be resources because not everyone can do that, even if they wanted to provide um, for their kids. You know, Alabama to Massachusetts. That's a pretty. I mean, it's a lot more expensive, I think, to live in Massachusetts than it is to live in Alabama. Um, it's a big move. It's a big move, but that's incredible that you did that work and, and helped raise that money. Um, Aaron, is there anything else you should, we should know you want to add? You know, um, this isn't going to stop. This doesn't stop this year. This doesn't stop, you know, in the off season. It doesn't stop in the, in the off legislative cycle. And there is room for every single person to do something, even if it's small, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's just acting in your own state, getting to know your state legislator, your local legislator, and talking about all the things that we've spoken about today. So things like passing safe state laws, passing non-discrimination acts, passing bills that ban, um, that ban discrimination in sports and in schools, passing bills that make your state a safe state for people to, to flee to. And then if you're even one of those states that have already proposed being a safe state, trying to talk to them about helping these refugees from Texas and Alabama. Um, I think that together we can all talk at the state level. And I really strongly, I want to say that like the state level is where all of this is happening right now. And so even if like, even if you're ideologically opposed to like national elections and I have issues with national elections right now, they are, our national leaders are failing us (laughs) tremendously, but like play in the States, you know, get to know your legislators, get to know the people that, um, that are going to make these laws at the local level. And that's where you can make the biggest impact. Absolutely. I mean, seeing that of, of, you know, the overriding of a veto happened by one vote. Uh-huh. No question. In Kansas, in, in Kansas. Kansas. Like- so that's, that's saving kids and lives and, and helping um, trans youth feel seen um, which they need to feel seen and 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 represented equally in this fucking country. Um, Aaron Reed, thank you so much, everybody. Please follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron in the Morn, and then at, at, in Aaron's bio, you can go to your the the map that you've created um, for all kinds of health resources in terms of places that offer. Um, uh, 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 what am I trying to say? Uh, the hormone therapy map, yes. The, the and, hormone therapy map, yes. Informed consent. That's what we've right. learned, children. Correct. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for being here. Please come back and, um, you know, keep us updated as we all get in this goddamn fight. Anytime. Anytime at all. All right. Take care. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks to Jay McBride. Thank you to Aaron Reed. And there is more show. Specifically, Jay and I are talking about comedy, transphobia, Ricky Gervais, Dave Chappelle, Netflix. And she's got a Dave Chappelle story you don't want to miss. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. You gotta be there. You gotta hop to it. Um, And make sure if you are a patron, you get a whole special RSS feed. Um, It's like rainbow colored. Very, very cute. Um, And I hope everyone... Has a good week. I will see you in two weeks. Taking next week off to go on a honeymoon. So please pray for good weather. <laughs> I just looked at the weather and I was like, fuck. Um, maybe a little rainy. Why? I just want to tan. I just want to tan. 
These are my problems. Um, anyway, thanks to everyone who works on the show, uh, to Paige Omek, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Alexandra Orness. Thank you to everyone who's become a $10 or more patron. Um, next week, I will do the fart song. Shout all y'all out. Uh, will not sleep on any of the Twitch subs or any of those super chats. We'll be taking good note. So thank you for supporting this show. And until next time, fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy. And don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye.